And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Welcome to the NBA Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Welcome to the Daily Ding here on the Athletic NBA Show. I am Jared Weiss. I'm joined by Mo DeKeel. We have Danielle Lehman producing the show. And we're going to get right into the big news of the day. Steve Nash is out. Emi Odoka appears to be in. The Nets have made a coaching change. And uh, it's kind of one of the craziest ones we've ever seen in the NBA, considering where Emi Odoka is coming from. Yeah, it's pretty wild, I think, when you're looking at just how quickly it kind of all happened. I think the situation of it was initially reported as parting ways which everybody just immediately assumed hey they they fired him to me part of it is just i don't think steve nash wants to be there anymore i i I think this was a good day for him and then now you're looking at it, it seems like the imminent hiring of yudoka is coming here somewhere in the next 24 to 48 hours so i mean Really interesting, Jared, within the division even, not just the conference. Pretty pretty wild scenario. And the Celtics didn't even see compensation, which is, I think that's probably mostly attached to the them wanting to just get Udoka out the door, not have to deal with paying him and the whole issue of like, what do you do when it's time for the suspension to be over and all that? They saw an opportunity to just wash their hands of the situation, and they took that. And now it's a franchise that uh, in Brooklyn that already has their scandals to deal with. And now they have to be the ones to have to welcome Ime back into the public space in which like no one's explained anything about what actually happened with the situation. He's going to have to be the one to address it, it looks like. Well, I mean, it just gets wild, right? Like now we're looking at a situation where, as you said, we don't even fully know the whole story at this point into the season uh, as to the suspension. We have bits and pieces and incomplete complete information there's still a lot of holes that need to be filled in that regard but it's interesting that it's like hey the nets are looking at this and they're already at dumpster fire for being honest and they've just decided to throw on a whole new like pail of gasoline into this dumpster dumpster fire and see what happens i mean you might as well embrace the fire at that point but the thing is so ime is a great coach at least we know that and he's a great defensive coach. At least we know that they're a terrible defensive team. And we saw more bad defense late in this game, although credit to Zach Levine, he was pretty much on fire, but they lost to the Chicago Bulls at home 108 to 99. And I mean, besides Zach Levine, just going absolutely insane in the fourth quarter, what else did you see from Brooklyn's defense? that you feel like Emi Odoka is going to have to fix? Well, I mean, to start out, I actually thought they were a little more into it defensively to start the game, a little more effort. <laughs> I think there was a little more push behind those things. Some of it's always the interim coach bounce, right? Jack Vaughn took over for them and was coaching at night. I think there was a little bit more kind of a emphasis on their end and, and, and them actually pushing it. But in the end, they, I, I feel, one, they got tired. 
I felt like they got fatigued down the stretch. I felt like, you know, uh, as you alluded to, I mean, Zach Levine just went completely ballistic in the fourth quarter. He outscored them 20 to 19 just on his own. And the Bulls scored 31 in that quarter. Like, I think that kind of just put the game away. It was it was pretty interesting. I mean, Yudoka's a really good defensive coach. We're going to find out if he's a miracle worker, though. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, just going back to the last few games that they were playing, this team doesn't seem to know all of its defensive helps and assignments and all its little rules that make a defensive scheme. Like, they look like they need to start from scratch and learn all that stuff, which we know we can do. But, like, also, Ben Simmons just hasn't been playing at the level you'd expect from him, which isn't shocking considering all the health stuff he's working through. But this team just needs to have some sense of identity on the defensive end. Yeah, I mean, well, one, Simmons didn't play tonight, and he didn't play their last game, so he's kind of – you're, you're you're without that. This team's already small, thin up front. Like there's a lot of issues there, but also it's hard to play defense when you have 18 turnovers and that puts the other team in transition. You know, the Bulls get 15 fast break points, 26 points off of those 18 turnovers. It's just, I mean, it, there's not much you could do defensively when you're just turning the rock over like that and putting, putting yourself in a position where you got to defend over and over again in, in, in transition. Yeah, and this was a ton of KD in this game. 32 points on 9 for 16 shooting. Got to the line 12 times. Had six assists, but also seven turnovers. But it was a night where Kyrie Irving just couldn't hit anything until the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, like, he didn't show up. 2 of 12, 0 for 6 from the field. I mean, from three. I think, you know, he he did some nice stuff, assists, and getting the stuff, the ball moving. But in general, like, he was awful tonight. You know, and I felt like it was a very sort of... um almost a distracted type of viewpoint from him, you know, and it felt like that. And I think it's just, <sighs> I don't know what else to say anymore, Jared, about this Nets team. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the Dings listeners. I'm tired of talking about this team. This team sucks. Yeah. Uh, hey, Royce O'Neal at least had 20 points. And then I think he pointed to the Bulls bench when they took a four-point lead in the fourth quarter. And then uh, they didn't really score again after that. And credit to Zach Levine and Ayo Dosunu, who was phenomenal. And we have our legally obligated Trey Kirby attributed shout out for the episode. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Any thoughts on the uh, late overturned call? It's an awful call. <laughs> I was just walking to the free throw line, um, <laughs> thinking that I was going to get three free throws and, you know, have a even score of minutes and change left. It's a tough one. I clearly felt a lot of contact. Um, I don't know what they saw besides the high five contact they talked about, but you got to be allowed to finish your motion. That's what I felt like, um, especially when you slow it down in slow months. It's pretty clear. There's a lot of contact, but what do I know about Coles?
The Heat beat the defending champs, Golden State, 116-109 in Miami. And it's all about the call. Jimmy Butler blocked a shot at the end of the game. Initially ruled a foul, high-fiving Seth Curry. After a 14-hour review, it was overturned, Mo. Where do you land? I like the call. I like them overturning it. He got the ball first. You know, and I think you should get some credit there if you get the ball first and then high-five him. Um, I think this is a, a, a good call. I like that they made they overturned it. And I mean, you know, I know it's split. I know a lot of people are probably upset about it, but I, I thought it was pretty fair. What did you think, Jared? I agree. If you get the ball first, unless you rip the guy's arm off afterwards, a simple high five contact. I think they nailed it. I don't know why it was controversial. I mean, Steph Curry thought it was and credit to Anthony Slater uh, for asking about it. But it seemed like the way it's supposed to be called. Yeah, I thought it I thought it was a fair thing. I think the stuff more interesting, you know, forget that call. I found more interesting was the three uh uh carries they called on Jordan Poole, which were definite carriers. Like he he completely discontinued his dribble and then started to dribble again three different times. We don't we rarely see that called once in a game, Jared. Yeah, so is Steve Kerr's story about an email, was that a joke or was that legit? I still have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Steve Kerr after the game said that there was apparently an email sent that morning saying it was going to be a point of emphasis that night and that he should probably check his emails more. I still, as of recording at 1230 in the morning at Eastern Standard Time, I have no idea if that's a joke or not. I don't think the NBA does points of emphasis quite like that immediately in the middle of the season, but it's not a terrible idea for a point of emphasis in some instances, like the last carry that was called on him where he like put his hand under the ball and took a step. But the first two, it's kind of like the normal Iverson style cupping as Steph, uh, as ah. a, uh, Steve Kerr put it. I feel like that's within the realm of reasonableness for NBA dribbling. I don't agree with that. I think they were okay. a little bit more as, as a defender. Like I honestly felt like the dribble had completely stopped. And then he went back to it, you know, um, go check out Anthony Slater's uh, tweet. He, he he put it out there. He put all three there. You can judge for yourself. I felt like they got those calls right as well. And you know what? I'm not one to often agree with referees. And I think they, they kind of nailed it here. But Jared, we've also gotten away from the game. It was a damn good game. It was a great game. I mean, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler was so much fun to watch in this one. That spin move he had in the fourth quarter was great. Bam Adebayo was a monster on the roll. Max Struess at 24 points. But, I mean, what was it that stood out for you? Uh, honestly, I, it was Duncan Robinson. You know, if this is the Duncan Robinson that the Heat can get consistently, it'll go a long way for them. Six to ten from the field, five to eight from three. He was plus 19 when he was on the court. Had 17 points, had a couple of assists. Like, I think that just goes a long way for them. I thought he was great. I thought Kyle Lowry was awesome with nine assists, really kind of pushing the tempo and getting them going a little bit in transition. But the other thing that stood out, Jared, was the Warriors only had 15 points in the fourth quarter. And that was after 38 in the third quarter. I mean, they exploded in the third quarter. And then early fourth is when Miami closed it. Uh, Steph, Steph did his thing. It was just nobody else had a shot outside of him pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you know, Steph and, and and to a degree, Clay, his efficiency wasn't so high, but like Jordan Poole was rough. I'm sure the the carry calls got in his head a little bit, but three for ten. I thought Jamichael Green was eh, was okay. I, the bigger question is, what are they going to do about their defense? Because their defense has really kind of fallen off here a little bit. You know, I think that's one of the issues for them as they're going forward is figuring out how do we defend because. 
when I look at their bench, not a lot of guys are coming off the bench that I feel confident defensively. Moses Moody maybe is the only one. And that's been a change for this team that has often had a lot of depth coming off the bench where you felt like a lot of these pieces were interchangeable. Now it feels like, okay, let's just hope the young kids figure this out. All right, we'll get to our last games of the evening. The Thunder, they beat the Magic. We don't need to dive into that one. Magic didn't hit a field goal for the last seven and a half minutes of that game. Shout out to Poku and Shea for going off. Important analysis there. I feel like you need to hit a couple of field goals towards the end of the game to possibly win it. Just just a thought. It's one of the things that is required to win an NBA game. But uh, Phoenix, they hit enough field goals to beat the Wolves. 116 to 107. I mean, the Suns were in control for most of this game. It was getting tight early in the fourth quarter because of Nas Reed, obviously, of all people. And then Ant started doing some things. But Chris Paul came back in, and he just restored tempo. Yeah, you're going give to give credit to the Wolves for this game getting tight. I'm going to give credit to the Suns' second unit sucking to making <laughs> this game tight in the fourth quarter. I mean, they were awful in how they started the fourth quarter. And then, of course, Monty Williams goes back to his guys a little bit earlier than normal. And then the Suns go on a run and kind of sort of reset the order there. Uh, we got to talk about Cam Johnson. I thought he was amazing in this game. I mean, he had a career high from three, I believe, with seven made threes, seven of 11 from three, 29 points. Like, uh, it's easy when it's a guy like Chris Paul dishing it out, giving him 12 assists. But, I mean, like, Cam Johnson, I thought, was phenomenal tonight, Jared. He did it in so many ways. No turnovers in 33 minutes. Had three steals, three dimes. I mean, he was kind of doing everything from ball in his hands to spotting up. Turning into a complete player, looking like somebody who probably deserves an extension. So, a uh, great game from him. Really nice, of a really great defensive game from Mikael Bridges. We didn't really see much of Devin Booker uh, late in this game. That was a really interesting call to put Landry Shamit out there. Yeah, you know, Booker picked up his fifth foul, I think, pretty early in that fourth quarter when they came back. And listen, when you go on a run, you stick with who brought you there. I think we saw it at the beginning of the season when the, uh, when Monty Williams didn't go back to Chris Paul in the fourth quarter in a close game. I think that's just how he's going to treat it. If we got a guy that's hot, we're going to leave him out there and let them cook and let them go to work. I think those are kind of like almost a, a confidence builder for guys like that. And it was important for Shamit to get out there and he was knocking down shots and keeping the flow and the rhythm going. No reason for Monty not to trust him. Can we talk about the Wolves now for a second? Oh, God, let's do it. I mean, look, I know it's going to take some time figuring it out with Carl Anthony Towns and, and Rudy Gobert and how this whole thing's going to work. But Jared, man, like, I don't know, six, eight games into the season, I kind of felt like it would, they'd be a little further along. It really feels like every game for the Wolves when those guys are on the floor together, it's almost like their first game together. Is that because Cat tried to throw an entry pass to Rudy and he threw it like into the fifth row? Uh, there, there's no synergy there yet, and also Cat Cat's kind of in the way in in the high post a lot of the time. Whether it's you know pick and roll action with D'Angelo Russell trying to do high low stuff with Rudy, like Cat, they got to find a place where Cat really fits in this offense. Yeah, I think the expectation was when this trade was made was like, oh, it'll be easy. Cat will hang out on the outside of the perimeter. Rudy will kind of roll into the rim. It'll be easy, and things will work out from them. And, you know, the other thing, too, was D'Angelo Russell has sucked to start the season, right? And, and and maybe he's just not that good, and you may not be a believer in Russell, but, like, they need more from him because Anthony Edwards, 
put up 24 points. Very inefficient shooting, by the way, 8 of 21 from the field. But, you know, he's putting up numbers. There's a great play where Edwards comes up with a big stop, and they're he, he's leaking out in transition. And D'Angelo Russell tries to lead him with the pass, but throws it straight out of bounds, Jared. It's, it's those type of mistakes that you can't really have. And I think they got to find a way to either get more from Russell or find a way to replace him. I mean, with the way that Jordan McLaughlin and Jalen Noel are playing in this game, maybe he's their fourth best card right now. We'll find out again soon because uh, we're going to be talking about the Wolves a lot this year. He's Moda Keel. Daniel Lehman is our producer. I am Jared Weiss. This is the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.